0: Now it's time for Inspirational Women and my guest Christy Goff, a registered dietitian with Pacific Medical Centers here in the Puget Sound. September is National Food Safety Education Month, and this knowledge is important at any time, but right now with so many challenges surrounding us, it's even more critical to learn all that we can about nutrition, foods, healthy eating. So let's meet an expert and learn what we can. Christy Goff, good morning. It's so great to have you join us today.
1: Yes, thanks for having me.
0: I am really happy and excited about this because certainly food, nutrition, health, all of that's pretty fundamental in our
1: life, isn't it? Yeah, and it can be really hard to get information about nutrition since there's so many resources online that may or may not be accurate. So it's great that you have me on today and maybe can clear up some myths around certain things.
0: Yes, absolutely. And so you're saying, you know, people look online. Um, is, is there something we should avoid? Are there certain sites or uh, are we just in the context of our conversation going to come up with ideas that really steer people away from uh, s- certain kinds of websites that might draw us in?
1: Yeah that's a good question. So essentially nothing is really standardized online. Anyone could be a nutrition professional if they feel like they have some of the resources. So it's really important to look for articles that are written by registered dietitians. This assures they had some schooling, they were able to decipher what research studies are saying, um, and they went through an internship where they're in different modalities of the nutrition field. So that would be my first bet. Um, and then secondly, there's always better sites to go to than others. Usually the, the .org or the .gov are gonna be your good sources for information. They're often more standardized than your .com. Now there's always exceptions in that rule, but um, if it looks too good to be true, it probably is too good to be true. So <laughs> There's a lot of um, catchphrases and really sexy headlines And that usually means that the research is kind of being cherry-picked out, and it's maybe not as accurate as something that looks a little more boring.
0: And so to that end, it's great that we have you with us because you have gone through the education. You are a registered dietitian.
1: I am a registered dietitian. I work for Pacific Medical Centers, and I run a workplace wellness program to help communities and employers get some of this good information that we're gonna talk about today.
0: So that's great. So uh, Pacific Medical Centers is is one good resource to check and uh, get direction to finding further information, right?
1: Yes, and we always have providers that a lot of our information, as well as our registered dietitians. So you can find that information at www.pacmed.org.
0: Terrific. So, you know, as I was thinking about our health and our nutrition, it seems that it gets a little involved or even convoluted at times because we have our physical health, but then we talk about our uh, brain health, our heart health, and now even more so, it's always been important, but our immune health. And do we look at these as each different area or how do you look at it, Chrissy?
1: It really boils down to similar recommendations. So I always tell people in my classes that, yes, we're focusing on the heart, but when you take care of your heart, it actually affects all parts of your body. So we're not little individual systems. So it's not as overwhelming when we think, okay, I have to eat this for my brain, this for my heart. You're actually eating just for normal health. So, for example, things like fish oil we know are really good for preventing of dementia, but that can also help our heart values like our triglycerides and um, making sure our blood vessels stay healthy.
0: Good. So it it is a real holistic approach. When we eat the right foods, good foods, it's going to help the our entire body.
1: Yeah. And it's about your entire diet rather than just one or two foods alone. So Most of the research around some of these developments around the brain or the heart, for example, they know that we can't pinpoint one food and say only eat this or this food is good and this food is bad. It's around a spectrum. So you can really be like that 80% eating a typical healthy diet and then you can always have fun with that 20%.
0: Well, that's good to know. That's a pretty good percentage. (laughs) Right. (laughs) So, you know, in these times, I mean, it's always been the case, but I think we're more hyper-conscious during this time of pandemic as to food shopping, how to take care of the food that we purchase. And I know that, you know, actually some months ago when I was uh, in a grocery store and I was looking at corn on the cob, but it was in the husks. And I typically would be opening the husk to see what the kernels look like. And I was asked to not do that, you know, because they don't want People touching uh, these food items and putting them back. So I thought, okay, this is really another level of it. But uh, so we purchase food, potentially others have touched it. How do we bring those veggies home, like peppers and tomatoes and and clean them properly so that they're healthy for us?
1: Yeah, great question. So currently, there's no evidence to suggest that handling food or consuming food is associated with getting Covid nineteen. However, we want to just do general food safety recommendations, which is just to rinse all of our produce that we bring home from the grocery store. So we don't necessarily need to do soap or bleach on these things um, or even things like vinegar or lemon. They Usually a lot of the critters that might be on your produce will be washed off with just a vigorous scrub and wash under running water.
0: And when you mentioned scrub, that does bring to mind those little brushes you can buy at the store. So really, you should use some sort of a a, a soft bristle brush on your veggies?
1: Um, You can use your hands too. There's no real recommendation that you need to use one of those scrubbers. Um, Those are helpful for things that are a little bit more dirty in general, like potatoes and carrots. But honestly, you can just use your hands and just do a nice um, wipe over all of your produce
0: foods. Terrific. That's always kind of, you know, been nagging at the back of my brain. Am I really cleaning these well enough? So that's, (laughs) that's wonderful. The other thing, when I think in terms of the foods that we buy are, are the dates on them, the sell by, use by, good by, uh, those. Can you, and then of course, it's might be different by canned goods versus those in boxes or in plastic wrap. How can you guide us, Chrissy?
1: Yeah, those words can be really confusing. And a lot of them refer to the quality of the food and not the food safety of that item. So, for example, used by is aimed to direct consumers um, that the product should be eaten because of the quality by that date. So it's literally meaning used by this for the best quality. It's not necessarily about the safety of that food. So it's still safe to consume after that used by date, but maybe not for a whole year, right? Um, They do say that the product quality does go down faster after that used by date. So it's just if anything tastes different, smells different, looks different, I wouldn't eat it. Um, that can be your first kind of go-to thing. And then if it does taste different than you would normally expect, that could be part of that quality degradation. Um, sell-by is mostly aiming at retailers. So this is usually on foods that are kind of that to-go section. Uh, and they want things out of the store by that sell-by date. It doesn't necessarily mean that that food is bad past that date. But it does mean that usually within a week, especially if it's ready-made, you should throw that away. It, it probably isn't good to, to eat long-term. Um, best Buy is another one that you might see. And this is another suggestion to the consumer on which date the product should be consumed to, again, assure the best quality. So, used Buy and Best Buy are pretty similar, where you can consume that food safely after those dates. It's just about maybe the quality wouldn't be at the peak they they do a lot of research around um the making sure the taste and the texture is what they say it is in their can or packaged food
0: so that might be a good guide for us when we are food shopping don't overbuy uh and stock up on things necessarily because of the potential of you know just running out of time for
1: various reasons yeah exactly there's a great website, um, foodsafety.gov, that you can go to and uh, and find out more about these information, specifically if your packaged food has something that you have never seen before or that you just want to go a little bit deeper in.
0: Sounds excellent. Thank you for that uh, direction, uh, Chrissy. Mm-hmm. So let's now look at the kinds of foods that are really going to be beneficial. And, you know, here we are over six months in this country, in terms of the pandemic and and thinking about what we need to do to stay healthy. uh, Do you have kind of a bottom line or some uh, good guidance for us as to foods we should really concentrate on?
1: Yes, vaguely. So the relationship between our immune system and what we're eating is still largely unknown. However, we do know that an overall healthy diet typically makes people more resistant to diseases that maybe someone else would catch, such as the flu and possibly even COVID. So again, there's not one food that's going to protect you or you of something that if you already got something, but we know that if the body is working correctly, it can do all the things that it's supposed to do as far as um, get that virus or bacteria out as quickly as possible. So that general healthy diet typically includes lots of colors. So fruits and vegetables, um, those colors are indicating different micronutrients as well as some phytochemicals. So things like vitamin A and vitamin C have been shown to help with that immune system function. We also know that things like probiotics, so foods such as sauerkraut and yogurt, um, things like, uh, what else, kombucha and kefir, these all have live bacteria in them that when we consume them, they're actually benefiting our internal bacteria in the gut. And there's some good research around having a good, healthy, biodiverse gut flora can help with that protection piece against any foreign invaders coming into the body. So it seems ironic that we're eating bacteria to ward off more bacteria (laughs) in our body, but it's all about if they're doing good for us or doing something else for us. There's some research around um, ginger and garlic being able to... Help support the immune system as well. Again, we're not saying load up on these things because uh, too much can be a good, too, not a good thing as well, but just including those in your diet can have some powerful components that will help support that immune system. And then lastly, we know that if too much of the not-so-good things can actually reduce that immune system, such as a higher intake of alcohol, high intake of caffeine or a lot of additional added sugars like sodas and sweets um, constantly throughout the day can all weaken or lower that immune system.
0: And we don't think necessarily about that. So that's a, a critical point to consider is not an overconsumption of those things, uh, thinking of kids and, and sweets.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, And basically having that overall healthy lifestyle would also relate to doing uh, more sleep and less stress. And I know that's really hard in our current times, but those things are also extremely important for the health of our immune system.
0: And I want to just kind of step back a couple of points to back to the probiotics. Um and you're telling us what we can eat that's food for this. People take supplements. Do you think that that's a good substitute or do we use some, but we should also use the foods?
1: I always recommend food first because it helps to just naturally regulate how much you're taking. With supplements, you can get really high doses of probiotic or just kind of a moderate dose. So it is harder to recommend supplements in general because there's so many different varieties. Um, However, it can be beneficial if you feel like you have maybe some digestion issues or um, if things aren't moving through your body very regularly, they can be helpful for that. Um, I always recommend them for people with diverticulosis or diverticulitis, um, the active inflammation of that disease, because it's all about just getting more fiber and movement in the gut. For immune system, there's not a lot of research supporting supplements for Uh, supporting that immune system. So it's kind of up to your own. They can be pretty expensive. So if you just are eating lots of good fiber sources and some of those natural probiotic foods I just mentioned, you're going to get a really healthy gut flora without spending a lot of extra money.
0: So the fiber is a critical thing. I think we naturally then think about fruits and vegetables for fiber. Is that right? And are there certain ones that are really kind of the best in the area
1: yeah you can't go wrong with increasing fruits and vegetables for fiber and then all of those micronutrients I mentioned Um, other sources of fiber that are really good for us are whole grains so a lot of things like oatmeal and um, brown rice there's whole wheat bread are going to be higher in fiber in general and these can be uh, basically different types of fiber than you would get normally in your fruits and vegetables So the more diverse foods that we eat with fiber, the more diverse bacteria that we get because they're all eating the fibers that we can't digest. Other sources of fiber that are great are your beans, your nuts and seeds, um, anything listed on that MyPlate diagram, basically.
0: Super. And again, we can see that when you mention MyPlate, uh, you have that on your website. Is that right?
1: I believe so, but you can also go to ChooseMyPlate.gov, and that is kind of the the site that you can go to for a lot of good information around healthy eating recommendations, especially around the immune system or around meal planning.
0: So, talking about meal planning, uh, how or do you have a rule of thumb that you recommend to people as to how we can go about? making, you know, perhaps simple, uh, easy-to-fix meals that are healthy and nutritious, and then I'm going to throw in, and and kids are going to be happy to eat as well.
1: (laughs) Yeah, that one's a hard one. Um, Meal planning really is an individual uh, experience. You can make it very complex where you have every meal planned for the week. I like to do more of a flexible meal plan where you're maybe picking some fun recipes, that you are going to make throughout the week, grocery shop for those, and then the other days you're either eating leftovers or something quick like a takeout meal or um, just something that you can put together really fast, like breakfast for dinner or a sandwich for dinner, that sort of thing. So some of the easier recipes that I've found are stir fries, where you can mix pretty much any vegetable you have in the refrigerator with some kind of protein, whether that be a bean uh, or a meat product. Um, and you can add a variety by doing different types of sauces. So maybe one night you have a curry with a coconut milk and turmeric, and then the next night you have more of a teriyaki-type flavor. Even if it's the same meal, it does switch it up quite a bit.
0: And and those are usually so delicious, yeah, and it's a great way to clean up some uh, veg- veggies hanging out in the refrigerator.
1: Mm-hmm. Exactly. <laughs>
0: And you mentioned, and I like this idea because maybe because I do it is breakfast for dinner. Uh, So it could be kind of it could be the oatmeal for dinner. It it could be your your eggs or something along those lines. Uh, Is there then a benefit to maybe eating that kind of a little bit lighter meal at the end of the day?
1: Yeah, there is some research that eating too heavy of a meal can kind of interfere with sleep if it's done very close together. Um, Also, we find that a lot of people that don't eat breakfast eat too big of a dinner meal. So they're actually full when they wake up. And that's why they're not feeling very hungry for breakfast. Breakfast usually helps kind of spark that metabolism, wakes the body up. So it is good to get some kind of calories in the morning, whether it be an apple or a full big breakfast. So there is something to that lighter meal in the evening. Usually people feel a little bit um lighter in general and able to sleep slightly better.
0: So that has the added benefit of potentially getting better sleep. Yeah. And and being able to get to sleep. That's so that's really great. I I kind of want to circle back then to our kids. Um potentially not liking certain foods, uh, trying to get them to eat, you know, kind of across the spectrum that we're talking about. Do you have any kind of tips or tricks about that?
1: Yeah, that can be a hard one. Um, Picky eaters are going to be there no matter what you do. But you can do some things that will help kind of either involve them in the meal or at least save yourself from having any tantrums at the table. So one thing is to involve your children in the cooking process. Now that can feel stressful because oftentimes kids are running around with food or your knives or things like that. But it is important to teach them those general cooking skills early on so that they can be healthy eaters when they become adults too. There's so many people right now that maybe not even know how to boil water or make basic foods. So it's nice to teach them early to have that in there. You can set up kind of like a science experiment in the kitchen while you're cooking. So showing them how to mix dressing, for example, by mixing oil and water and maybe adding an emulsifier like mustard to help it stay mixed. You could have them um, help to stir something around the stove if you have a nice stool with you. Um, people or kids as young as about five or six can also start learning some good safety knife skills. So I know that one is really scary and it is kind of more how your kid is going to be with a knife, but you can try to teach them some of the big, basic things like keeping fingers out of the way, how to hold a knife, and you can always start with something like a butter knife if it's a a really easy thing to cut. If your child is older, I like to add that to the chore cycle. Is to come up with a meal, or to even make a meal for the family, and try to get them more involved. Especially since we're home more often, and they potentially have more time because they're at home doing their schooling, or um, can kind of entertain themselves for a little bit in the kitchen.
0: And really, uh, along those lines of uh, so many kids being at home um, with virtual learning, I've I've thought and. And it's simple for me to say because I don't have kids at home, but it seems to me that one could incorporate uh, cooking and, and uh, measuring and all that sort of thing as part of the educational process, but making it so practical that, it's, uh, that, that it could be a class without really being a formal class from, from their school.
1: Yeah, I always hope that schools will add more cooking instruction into their lesson plans because it can relate to a lot of different subject matters, especially around that science and math piece. Um, One good book that I got into during quarantine um, is called The Food Lab. This is by Kenji Lopez, and it's a great book if you're into food science or just want to learn more about why things turn out the way they do with certain factors in them. So that one's been a really great resource and learning experience for even myself during quarantine when we're home more often.
0: So, you know, thinking along those lines, was there anything there that really struck you that, you know, you want to be using or you recommend
1: to people to use? Um, as far as resources go?
0: Uh, or just, I suppose, resources or just an activity or an action?
1: Mm i would just um, make a list of foods that you enjoy already a lot of people go grocery shopping and decide on the meal at the store but it can be helpful to look through your pantry and come up with some ideas that you don't have to go to the grocery store for so i know um this pandemic has changed how people grocery shop and maybe going less frequently as they used to so it's really important to have that kind of overall guide that you can glance at and say, oh, we haven't made this in a while, let's try this, or embrace the season, right? So right now we're getting a lot more squash and those fall-flavored foods, so maybe that's some motivation to try a new soup or to make a family favorite that you only get during this time of year.
0: And thinking of that, uh, you know, making the soups and uh, slash they could be stews, veggie stews, that sort of thing, and... uh, putting them in a crock pot which helps to uh, you know, really get it all chopped up, get the kids involved, cutting all that up and then letting it uh, simmer through the day as you go about doing all the other things.
1: Yeah, those those are great to have. I have also seen a lot of people um, use their Instapot more often or even purchase an Instapot. So that's a presser cooker combined with a crock pot, so it does make food cook a lot faster and People tend to spend less time in the kitchen with those types of devices.
0: And doing that, then cooking at home in that way, is going to then fit the bill of being uh, more healthy, getting the nutrition, the foods that we need to really sustain us well.
1: Yeah, when we cook at home, we often are cooking something healthier than we would at a restaurant or a to-go type establishment. So you can always feel a little bit better about recipes that you're cooking yourself. Usually they contain less salt, less fat, um, things that we usually put in abundance in some of those to-go foods or a restaurant food.
0: So that's You've shared with us what is such a wealth of information, and and really, you know, it does feel pretty simple and direct. Uh, maybe, hopefully, we're practicing some of it. But I, th- I hope uh, through this that you've given us some good ideas and encouragement along certain paths. Anything else that really comes to mind uh, because of the pandemic or coming to flu more into a flu season? Um, Just some words of wisdom to live by, Chrissy.
1: So I'll kind of leave us that it's National Food Safety Education Month, and that can be something that we forget a lot is important in our cooking process, especially now that we're in the kitchen more often. So we really want to be careful of washing um, surfaces that we're having raw food in, maybe even separating a meat cutting board from a vegetable cutting board, Um, cooking at the right temperatures. So it's hard to know if you don't have a meat thermometer or a cooking thermometer to get those foods to temp. But that is one of the things that we can do to just make sure that foodborne illnesses do not come into contact with us during this stressful time when there's a pandemic and there's flu season coming in. Um, We also want to refrigerate things properly. And especially if we're going on a road trip or something where food will be out of the refrigerator long, we want to make sure we're bringing ice packs and a cooler to make sure that food stays safe for us.
0: Yes, that certainly is very critical, isn't it? And Mm -hmm. it it brought to mind, as you were talking about, you know, having clean, cleaning the surfaces, having different cutting boards. uh, And so that relates back to us too. You know, if we've been maybe cutting meat and then need to do veggies or the vice versa, uh, But not so bad cutting veggies than going to meat, but not the reverse, right? We'd need to wash our hands again.
1: Yep, exactly.
0: And so, uh, do you think that in this time, as we've been having more and more uh, emphasis on making sure we wash our hands more frequently, that we're really getting the message, and and uh, this is really making a difference in our lives?
1: I would hope so. There, It will be interesting how flu season comes into play now that we are social distancing and washing our hands more often. So keep doing that. I know it gets boring and challenging when it's out of mind, but definitely that 20 seconds of hand washing can be one of the best ways to avoid a lot of these illnesses, more so than maybe eating your fruits and vegetables even. <laughs>
0: That is then obviously critically important. Mm -hmm. Well, Christy, you've given us a number of websites to help guide us in in making some good decisions. Uh, Let's mention your website once again so that if people want to get more information about you, uh, have questions uh, about certain health issues, uh, they can potentially find the answers there or reach out to you.
1: Perfect. Yes. So I'm at www.pacmed.org with my Living Well Alliance program or that workplace wellness program I mentioned. You can type in the search bar Living Well Alliance and get to my personal page on the website. It has some cooking videos and some recipes. So if, if you are needing that inspiration to keep cooking and keep things interesting, those can be great options to go look at.
0: Yes, those definitely sound great. Thank you for giving that additional information, because I think that that'll really be just a great resource to go back to time to time. So
1: Perfect. Yes, I also have some classes in the community that are public, so there's a calendar page if you ever want to tune into a virtual class. They're all free, and um, I appreciate support from the community, too.
0: I think then it's just one of those uh, wonderful circles that you reach out to us and we reach back and we all learn and we live well, Mm -hmm. right? Well, this has been so wonderfully informative. Uh, You obviously have a passion for the work that you do, and I'm so grateful that you've taken time with us this morning to inform us and, and help us move forward more healthily.
1: Yes, no problem. Please connect with me if you have further questions. Um, My email is on that website I just mentioned, too.
0: Excellent. Thank you so greatly. And with that, we're at the end of a very full hour of Inspirational Women with Christy Goff and Sunday Morning Magazine with Sean Jones from the Salvation Army Disaster Service Division. I now wish you and your family a day of knowing we are here to work together to help one another. Have a week the same. And then please plan to join me again next weekend for another hour of Sunday Morning Magazine and Inspirational Women on Warm 106.9. Good morning.